0: Well, good morning. Uh, it is very good to be back together with you guys this morning. My name is Chandra Stiles, and I'm one of the youth pastors here at Forest Grove Community Church in our Atchbridge location. Um, but I never am here in the summer ever. I spend my summers working at Camp Kadish as the leadership and discipleship director there. That means I work with the staff in leadership development and spiritual formation as well as with the campers in uh, in their spiritual growth as well. So I'm never here in the summer. So I was amazed at how many people are here. <laughs> I leaned over to Kevin and I was like, I thought there would be 50 people here. <laughs> so like, well done for being here. That's awesome. Um, it's good to be together with you guys again. We have just finished our fifth week of camp up at Camp Kadish, So we have three more weeks to go. And I am just so grateful to be able to serve there Each summer, I get to serve there. This summer with my family, there's a couple pictures. Um, My husband and uh, my oldest son, Lauren, are working on the boats. They work on the waterfront. And our youngest son, Dylan, has been working in the kitchen. And then I get to work with the staff and with the campers and chapel times. And I'm just so thankful to get to spend my time there. I'm also so thankful for the way that you guys release me to be there and also bless a lot of our youth and young adults to serve there all summer long. It's amazing to see young people so passionate about uh, kids coming to know Christ. We have about 80% of our campers um, would declare that they're from non-churched homes. So they're from homes that don't teach them about Jesus. So we have the privilege of getting to do that. Alex, who's leading worship here, she's one of our leadership and training coordinators. So she gets to teach uh, young people how to go from being a camper to being a staff. And it's just so cool to see the way that legacy lives on. Um, Our camp summer has been fantastic. We did start with a little bit of a hiccup uh, between our first and second week of camp. Um, We had a huge storm blow through our camp, and so trees came down. I think there's another picture. Yeah. So there's trees that fell on multiple structures um, all around our cabins on a Friday night just after campers left. About 60 trees came down, um, and it was um, pretty amazing to see the way that the community who supports camp rallied together to come and work around the clock all weekend long so we would be ready for campers on Sunday. We started without power and with very little water, um, but we made it work for the next week, and uh, we're able to have our, our, run our full week in our second week despite some of the damages that had happened and being without power for a couple of days Um, Yeah, camp has been amazing. Staff are tired. They've given a lot this summer, um, but they're continually just seeking Jesus for strength in uh, building into the campers that come. Each summer at camp, we pick a theme. And when Bruce asked me to share this morning, I thought, what better to share on than the theme that I've been kind of soaking in all summer? So we pick a theme and a theme verse. And it's funny because whenever we pick a theme for camp, it kind of seems like that theme just intertwines into everything we do. All of a sudden, it becomes this lens that we start thinking through and praying through and looking for God within. Of course, it shapes our, like, chapel times where the kids hear about Jesus and our cabin times where they get to discuss him. But we always find that as a staff, it tends to kind of integrate deeply into our lives as well and becomes our prayer and our belief and the very thing that we want to live into. This summer, our theme at Camp Kadish is All Things New. And uh, It's kind of the idea that when you come to know Jesus, you come into a relationship with him, you begin to follow him. If you decide to accept his forgiveness and follow him, then he gives us a new life. We become a brand new person. We start to care about new things and have new joy, new hope. We begin to see other people in a new way and situations around us in a a new way. And all of that happens because when we are in relationship with him, we are invited into the new life that He has given us, and then we experience that newness here on earth as we live our life on earth. But then also, we can have the hope that when our life ends and we go to eternity, that we have um, we we have a chance to experience everything new with Him in the perfection of heaven. Um, okay, so at camp we do this thing where we ask questions and we get people to talk to their neighbors and answer the questions. Um, A little bit of audience participation. I know you all hate this because you're like, I just came to sit and listen, but you're going to talk to each other. So my question is today is what is a new thing that you like? What's a really good new thing you've had to wait for? Maybe like a purchase or an experience? And what did it feel like when you finally got it? So talk to your neighbor, answer those questions. You got 30 seconds. Go. Go. Ten more seconds. Don't be a time hog. Okay. okay, okay. I would like to, now we're going to take this a step further from sharing with your partner. Is there any examples that you'd be willing to shout out in the audience of new things you waited for and what it felt like when you got it? Here's where the real courageous people, sorry, balcony, you have to talk really loud, but anybody? Carter, what do you got? Oh, Carter, I don't know if you guys know Carter Berg, but he's a sneaker freak, so he buys a lot of really crazy sneakers. He waits for them. He buys them, waits for them in the mail, and then you're so pumped, right? The unboxing of them is like, it's like Christmas every day. Okay. Okay, other new things? What? You are waiting for a son-in-law, and how did, oh, you got him? (laughs) Amen. Okay. How did that feel? That was a gift, right? So exciting. Excellent that's good i'm glad that that's how that ended (laughs) um anyone else a new thing moving over here because i see you no one hey okay well way to at least talk to each other so new things new things when we have them in our life they can be really exciting um along with newness comes anticipation Comes curiosity, you know, an unknown of like what's going to happen. There's a dynamic that happens in our minds and hearts when we're waiting for something new. Um, we feel excited about the thing that might unfold before us. Sometimes there can be like an unsettling feeling, an unsure feeling. Maybe we feel really humbled because we're about to step into something. Maybe it's like parenting or a new job, um, maybe a new home that you're moving to. That that can be kind of be um, a little bit humbling because you don't know how you're going to be able to function in that place. Regardless, when new things come, there's just stuff that shifts within us. New things and new, uh, new places are places of learning, places where we have to change, where we're forced to grow, and where new op- opportunities are birthed that we can step into new ways of life. So this summer, our theme is All Things New because we want to talk about at camp and here this morning, and we want to focus on The the newness that Jesus brings into our life when we come into a relationship with him. At camp, we want a chance to introduce campers to the life-changing grace of Jesus and all the ways that that then shapes the life that we can live after when we know we're made right with him. We want to be able to have opportunities to know the way that Jesus then is also inviting us to help make other people's lives new. Not just the newness that happens inside of us when we know him, but how he's actually at work in the world, and we can be a part of that. We want to help campers understand that when we say yes to following Jesus, we receive a new identity. So all of a sudden, we're no longer slaves to sin, to wanting to do what God doesn't want us to do, but we become children of God, and that's a new identity that doesn't give way to sin, but invites us to be obedient to life, to new desires, new eyes, new nature. We we receive a calling to be a new person, You know, to experience new healing in our life from things that have hurt us, new gifts that can help build each other up, new love for one another, new forgiveness. We also experience a new kingdom. God says that he has a way of life to live by, and he invites us to experience it here and now on earth. This is a kingdom that puts others first, a kingdom that chooses reconciliation, that does the hard work of making peace. A kingdom where we share love and we welcome people radically, where we give generously, where we sacrifice the abundance that we have. This is a kingdom that's very upside down in comparison to the rest of the world. This is the new life that Jesus invites us into and invites us to help make new in the world around us. Um, this summer, we're longing to be a staff at, at camp that helps counters, uh, helps Jesus stop that helps campers encounter Jesus in this way. We want them to see the newness that comes. And that means that we as a staff have had to pause and evaluate, are we actually seeing Jesus in this new way in our life? And are we willing to stop and ask the questions, okay, if we're not seeing that, then what do we have to do to get to that place? And I think that that can be a prayer for us as well as a church, to actually stop and say, do we see the new things that Jesus is doing? And are we willing to step into them? I really believe that God is a God of newness, uh, and His word constantly reminds us of that. In Scripture, there's multiple different references to the new thing that God is doing in our lives. Um, in Scripture, in the Bible, it talks about the, the new things that God wants to give us when we know Him, when His spirit is in us, when we're living life for Him. It says things like, "We'll experience a new birth. We'll have a new life and a new way to live, We'll have a new nature. We'll sing a new song. We'll be called by a new name. We'll have a new heart and a new spirit. We'll be a new person. We'll get a new grip and a new strength in our life. We'll have new clothes and a new identity. We'll know a new covenant, which is a commitment. We'll know a new commitment with him, a new relationship with him, and that even one day we'll experience a new heaven with a new earth and a new body. God is all about making are making new things, doing something new. He's all about creating something new out of nothing or taking what's old and giving it new life or bringing it back to life. He's all about transformation, which is the ongoing, only heaven-ending process of becoming more like him and being made new again. And in this, Jesus was new. When Jesus came to earth, when he was sent to earth as fully God and fully man, he completely embodied everything God was and is. And he entered into the culture of God's chosen people. So Jesus came to people who said, I already know God. I'm already following God, the Israelite people. And they claimed to be very confident in how they knew how to live for him. Um, And Jesus entered that culture, and he flipped it upside down. And he said, no, there's a new way of following God. There's a new obedience to participate in. Come to me and let me make you new again. And the people resisted his people who had been following for so long were like, but we already know and we have all the traditions and we have all the laws and we we have all the rules and we know what to do. And Jesus said, no, but, but follow me. See me and know me. I'll show you a new way. This has been my prayer at camp this summer and for us as a church is that we would be a place where we're giving up a stagnant old life, a hurting life, a broken life, a divided life where we lean into the new things Jesus has for us. As I've thought about this this summer, I've thought of four different passages or promises that um, have come to mind and heart that have talked about the new things that Jesus does. Four things that God promises that when we know him, when we're in relationship with him, when we're living life for him, that we will experience. The first is from Isaiah 43:18 and 19. So Isaiah is a prophet, which means he's bringing a message to people right from God. He's speaking a message from God. And this is a message of hope. So this is a message to the chosen people of God, to the people who are waiting for a Savior. They think a Savior is going to come. Their, their, their nation is, is in struggle, and they're saying, we need a king who's like a mighty warrior who will come and fight for us. So they're waiting for this hope of a Savior. And the prophet Isaiah says, okay, there is a Savior coming. And he speaks on God's behalf, and he says to them, but forget all that. So he says, forget all the hard things you've been going through. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For for I am about to do something new, and see I have already begun it. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness, and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. This is a promise that God is already doing a new work. Now, this promise in Isaiah specifically talks about the coming of Jesus, but in that, we can know that when we're in relationship with Jesus, that, that as we know him, that God continually does new work. That the new thing that he's talking about is what Jesus would do on the cross and in his resurrection and how that would free us in our lives. Uh, That we would be able to cling to the promise that Jesus will make himself known to us and to those around us. That we can be assured that when we know him that he will be at work within us. Even in times where we feel dry or we, we feel confused or questioning. There's also this instruction though. He says, do you not see it? He says, Jesus promises to be at work, that he will always be bringing new things into our life, but we need to be attentive to it. We actually need to stop and pay attention to look for what he is doing and to enter into that. Um, A few years ago, this passage was significantly on my heart and in my life, and I kept being like, but God, what new thing can you do? You know, I've worked at the church for so long. I've worked at camp for so long. I I just was not sure as to what the new thing was. and my husband had just gone into nursing school, so I was like, maybe it's like him becoming a nurse, and like us adjusting to that lifestyle. And as I thought about and prayed about this verse a lot over six months, um, the opportunity opened very quickly for us to be in fostering. And little did I know that when I started asking Jesus, "What is my new thing?" that within under a year, I would have two sons in my home. I had no idea. But God got my attention, and He said, "Would you stop? Would you wait? Would you look?" I'll show you. You know, our life is drastically different now than we thought it would be five years ago. We thought this spring we'd be celebrating Kirk finishing nursing school and us kind of like getting a little bit settled into our lives. And, and now we have two teenage sons that we are very much needing help with knowing the new things we need to do with them. Um, and that is just Jesus at work in our life. That was the new thing that he was making us attentive to. Um, God says that he's doing a new work even before we knew it. I, I didn't know it at the time. But he opened that door and said, come, step into this new thing. Um, God promises that he's already doing a new work. We just have to pay attention. The next promise is our camp theme verse. So it's one that we've been memorizing all summer. One that maybe if you ever went to camp, you probably memorized as well. It's from 2 Corinthians 5.17. So this is Paul writing to a group of people who are learning how to follow Jesus. And he's saying, okay, I want to explain to you some of the attributes in your life that happen when you come into relationship with Jesus. And he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. This is a promise that reminds us that we are works in, promise, in progress and that God will help us live a new life. That every day, we can know that our old selves are passing away and that a new life is beginning. A new life that God helps us live. That, here on earth, we're in the process of gaining and claiming life each day. When I was a camper and I was young, I read this verse and I thought, okay, but what happens when I decide to follow Jesus and I keep screwing up or keep disappointing him or keep doing the things that he doesn't want me to do? Does that mean I don't get new life anymore? Um, But Paul in this passage is saying, no. Each day, a bit of the old life passes away. And a bit of the new life comes. And that new life comes with transformation inside, not just outside. It's not just actions. It's not behavior modification. But it's actually a transformation of the heart. He says that we'll have a new mind. That we will be able to have the mind of Christ. The mind that Christ invites us to. To think and to know his thoughts. He says that we'll have new eyes. This passage actually says we used to evaluate people from a human point of view. But we no longer do that that we see things with the eyes of God, and we see people with the eyes of God. Um, later on, he says we'll have new, a new mouth, new words to speak, new words of life over other people. Um, often in his letters, Paul writes that we'll have a new heart, that we will begin to care about the things that God's heart cares about, things we probably didn't care about before. And we will have a new work to do, new hands working with new purpose of kingdom building um, kingdom building in all the places that God places us in and gives us influence over when we come into friendship with Him. This is the new life that Jesus invites us into and that He promises for us. And we can continue to ask for that every step of the way, and we can also continue to call each other to that. That we don't only have this promise for ourselves, but this is actually a promise that it, we are meant to remind one another over. That when someone else is talking to us about feeling stuck in a rut or feeling like they don't know where, what, where to turn or what to do or they just don't know how to live in the way that Jesus is inviting them to, that we can be people that remind them that the old life is passing away and a new life is coming. Uh, we can speak this goodness of God over each other. We can remind each other we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're free to receive grace and to obey him. That we don't have to live in shame, but instead we live in freedom. We can speak that grace and that freedom over each other over and over and over again and release one another to embrace this new life. That we would be a people of reconciliation, of forgiveness, living like we are first forgiven and then living to forgive others so that the freedom of God's love can be seen within us. This is the new life that Christ invites us to and that God says that he will help us live. The third promise is from a passage that I've always struggled with because it's been really confusing and it's an analogy that I don't really understand. Um, So this is a passage where Jesus has been showing himself to people all around him. So he's been doing these things. He's been healing people. He's been forgiving people. He's been performing miracles. He's been calling people to follow him. And all of a sudden he ends this passage in Luke. Um, He ends the chapter with some words that are an analogy to help some people understand the contrast between an old way of life, and a new way of life. So there's all these people who are surrounding him, and they're asking him questions about the people who are following him, these new disciples that he has. Disciples are people who are learning to follow Jesus. And they're having a conversation about fasting, which is the giving up of food for spiritual purposes. And they say, okay, the Pharisees, who were people who they would have assumed knew the law, knew how to follow God, um, knew all the right things they were supposed to do. These people said, the Pharisees are fasting. They're doing all the right things, but yet the disciples who are following Jesus are not fasting right now. That was very confusing to them. They're like, shouldn't the Pharisees know best? But yet Jesus, who's claiming to be this new person, this, this new way of life, he's not, he's not having his disciples fast. Why is this different? And so Jesus uses a few analogies to help them understand. And he says to them, no one puts new wine into old wineskins for the new wine would burst the wineskins spilling the wine and ruining the skins new wine must be stored in new wineskins but no one drinks the old wine sorry no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine the old is just fine they say this is a really confusing passage to me because i don't really know what wineskins are maybe some of you do but as i've researched it i've come to learn that a wineskin is a sack that held wine as it fermented so you would pluck the grapes, you'd squish the grapes, you'd crush them, and then you'd get them into this wine skin and allow them to do the fermenting process so they'd actually become um, wine. And it was often made of goat skin, which was a little bit thin, but it allowed for the right amount of um, like oxygen to come into the wine. But over time, the acidity of the wine would eat away at the goat skin. So eventually, as you use these new wineskins, they would become compromised. They would weaken, and they wouldn't be useful anymore. So all of a sudden, if you went through the work of getting all the new grapes for the new wine, and you put it into an old wineskin, likely that wineskin would burst. And all of the new wine that was about to happen would be spilt to the ground and ruined, and nothing good would come out of it. So they would make a new wineskin. And a new wineskin was given, so the work that had been done to make this new wine was not in vain. And the wine would be saved and fermented and enjoyed by all. The wine would get to do the work that it was supposed to do. As I think of this analogy, I think about the fact that it's so easy to just get stuck in what we've always been doing. To cling to the old wineskin or an old structure to say that's always been good enough or that should be good enough or that's the right way, or that's just how we've always done it, and so we don't need to question it. It's so easy to get stuck in a legalistic form of thinking, whether that's personally or as a church body, You know, where we only know one way that we've been taught or a way we've been conditioned to think, and we never really challenge it. It's easy for us to just say, oh, we know it already. We know what we're supposed to do, and to never go back and ask the Holy Spirit how he wants us to respond to something maybe in a new way than we have before. The promise of new wine for new wineskins is the promise of God working through us and a promise where we actually have to stop and listen, seek, hear, and obey. Something we can hopefully do individually, but also as a church, something we can do together. Something we have been doing together these last few years as we've been walking through lots of changes in our church body. I really pray that this year that we can be a people um receiving new wine for new wine skins, making our hearts new wineskins that hold the new ways that jesus ca- is calling us to love and obedience that we would come to jesus in humility and ask him to keep teaching us um i had a friend just before summer show me a worship song called new wine by hillsong and maybe you want to listen to it at some point but um it has been my own my own personal um prayer this summer is just asking for new wine that brings new freedom Uh, and new obedience in my life. The last promise that we're going to look at points to a newness and a hope that goes beyond this life and this world, Uh, a hope that we can anchor ourselves within when we are followers of Jesus that goes beyond the constructs of physical living. This is a passage from Revelations that reminds us of the reality of the new life that we will live in eternity with Jesus in heaven where all things will be made new again, where they will all come back into the perfect creation that God originally created when the world began. This passage reads, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who has seated on the throne said, I am making all things new. This is a promise that we can have a new hope that is rooted in heaven. That we may not always be able to see how God is at work or he may not work in a way that we expect him to. That we may not always know how going through our present trials produces for us a greater glory, but that we can anchor ourselves in a hope that goes beyond this world and that is rooted in eternity. A hope of heaven and the complete healing that we will all receive when he comes again. Healing from physical pain, from emotional pain, healing from sin, the freedom that we will have to be with Jesus in perfection again. I feel like this is a promise that has been very personal to me over the last couple of years as I've watched a lot of people walk through suffering And I've had to walk through a lot of uh, with a lot of friends through situations that don't make any sense, um, and just beg Jesus to show up, even though sometimes I feel like I don't even know if I believe He's going to. Um, Two years ago, or a year and a half ago, one of our camp staff named Caitlin Craig, she passed away very suddenly from cancer. And each night in the hospital, we would pray for healing. She would ask us to pray for healing, to read stories of Jesus healing. And we continued to, right up until before she died, we continued to ask God to heal her. But there was one night about a week before she died where we were reading a story um, of Jesus healing some people. And Jesus, in the story, talked about the fact that, like, even if you get healed here on earth, you will still die. That life will still end eventually. Um, And this actually brought great comfort to her. To know that the ultimate healing, though though it would have been amazing to be healed physically here on earth that the ultimate healing comes in the hope of heaven when she will be healed from all pain and disease and sickness and sin and get to be free with jesus this is a promise i cling to as i walk with my friends who struggle with mental illness who daily need a hope that goes beyond their physical structure because they just they just can't find that hope in everything here on earth and i cling to the promise that that in heaven all things will be made new but that by God's grace, we can also experience a little of that here on, here on earth. This hope of heaven, it doesn't make sense, but it is a hope that lasts. And it is a hope that can push us forward into new things um, well beyond any type of thing that we can hope in here on earth. This is a hope that roots us in a God who is our healer and our redeemer, that we can hold on to this hope of heaven as we live here on earth. Having a taste of heaven as we walk in the new things. That Jesus brings us. So these have been some of my prayers for this summer from our our camp staff and also for our church. These have been some of the the promises that I've been clinging to in my own personal life but also for the uh, congregations and the groups of people that I get to be a part of that we would know that God is a God of newness. He's in the business of new things. He's all about doing new things in our lives and the lives around us and he wants to make us aware of those things. That we would know some of these promises personally in our life and then respond in obedience to them. That we would know that God is already doing a new work and we actually stop and pay attention to what it is and to ask him how we can join it. That we would know that God will help us live a new life and that we would would ask for those new things he wants to give us, a new mind and a new heart, new words and new eyes that help us reflect who he is. That we would know that Jesus will teach us new ways. And that we would not be scared to face those new ways together. We would not be scared to let go of old and to, to join into new together. To be more obedient to the ways Jesus is asking us to be a part of the new things he's doing in the world around us. And that in all of these things that we can anchor ourselves in the new hope that we have in heaven. My prayer is that we would be a people unafraid of seeking and following Jesus into newness together. Um, As Alex comes up and gets ready to play some music, there's a few uh, reflection questions that I want to leave with you guys um, as a way of reflecting here and now this morning, but maybe even with your family or um, on your own later on. One question is, what stops you from believing that Jesus can and is doing a new thing in your life? What are some of the obstacles or the barriers that are preventing you from believing that? or really wanting to, uh, to lean into that. I mean, maybe it's just yourself. <laughs> maybe you're your own obstacle of being like, I just don't want to do new things. Um, but be brave enough to ask the question. What is the old life that Jesus might want to take away? Um, what are things that you know have been holding you back and have been causing stagnancy or division or pain? And how can you ask Jesus to help you have that old life pass away? And what is the new life that Jesus wants to bring you? What are new gifts or new eyes, a new heart, a new mind that he's wanting to give you that you just need to open your hands and receive and ask for help to follow through on? Maybe even a fourth question that I would offer is, uh, who do I need to help me step into these new things? Who is someone that can encourage me, challenge me, speak this life over me to help me um, step into the new obedience that God has for me? Let's pray together. Jesus, you are so good, and we thank you that you are a God of new things. We thank you that you are at work even now. Um, we thank you that you are at work uh, in the lives of those who don't yet know you, and that you're stirring within them. Um, God, that you can use us to be the, the, the words and the actions that you want for them to see you. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are at work within us, giving us new life, that you are wanting to give us a new heart and mind and eyes and hands that you want us to be able to join into the life that Jesus offers us, and you want to give us the strength to be obedient to that. Thank you so much that we can be people who um, together discern the new things that you call us to. And I pray that we continue as a church to be people who seek you in the direction that we have and are willing to walk forward in obedience, even if it's scary or risky or, or unknown, God, that as the Spirit confirms that we would move. And I pray we'd be people who spur each other on to those good deeds in our relationships and our personal lives. And God, we thank you for the hope of heaven. The fact that as we face hard things, things that don't make sense, things that hurt so much, that we can have a hope that doesn't make sense, that even after this world fades away, that we get to be in perfection with you. God, that you will make all the pain and all the tears fade away. And that, God, we get to just be a people who are with you and that you will make all things new again. Lord, I pray you would open our ears and our minds to be attentive to how you're speaking to us this morning, but also as we go from this place and as we enter into this new year, uh, that we would be able to identify the things that stop us from entering into your new life, that you would help us to shed off the things of the old life that weigh us down, and that we would be uh, open and willing to receiving the new life that you have for us. Help us come alongside each other as we do that. Uh, I pray we can be a community that seeks this new life together. Lord, we love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.